Well, hello. You're very welcome to episode 44, season two of the Two Hands on the Hurl podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Mansfield, and I'm joined by the editor-in-chief, the guy who makes this all work, the guy who puts this together. Um, he does all the technical stuff. I just sit here and talk shit, basically. Uh, Mr. TJ Mills, how's it going, TJ? Uh, no, I can't take credit like that, Robbie. I mean, in all <laughs> fairness, you're like the steering wheel of a car. Without it, uh, without it we'd be uh screwed so i know i'm all good thanks and yourself yeah yeah good um just kind of working away um i suppose the the gym stuff is kind of slowing down a little bit as you come into christmas time and stuff like that but that's uh that's no harm before you get into the january rush how's your how's your new job going yeah no it's going grand now yeah it's great to be back (laughs) doing what i was doing years ago um so yeah it's really good now so hopefully I get back into it. Um, there were great hopes when I was studying before the, the main recession and then the bottom came out of the market. So hopefully I might be able to get back into it long term again. So, yeah, all good so far. Thanks, Robbie. Happy days. Uh, cool. So we're going to go straight to the, the GA action. So um, I don't know about you, but the, I always find the, the, club, the club game is quite fascinating. And there was some... Very physical games uh, over the weekend. There was um, Dublin football, Kerry football, Mayo football, and there's Tipperary football one as well. Were the kind of the main ones that kind of stood out for me. Um, did you catch the Dublin football final? I didn't know, Robbie, and I'm ashamed to say, but I caught a bit of the highlights mm-hmm. of it. And the one glaring thing that stood out about it was it took 33 minutes for the first score to come in the game, which. Um, in a top flight county um is it's very unusual but it just shows how tight tense affairs that these can be and i mean even the full-time scoreline i think it finished what was it one six to one five or one seven to one six it just shows it just shows no matter what that um the it's i won't say win at all costs but it's kind of it just shows how tight tense affairs county finals can most county finals can be but um is it a sign though with football that maybe football is um especially like in winter um it's just such a physical game and you can't really play any sort of free free flowing football uh and you know if you take you know a step too far you're going to get dispossessed you're gonna have a swarm of lads around you so is it a combination of the winter football and also a lot of teams are going like super defensive and getting lots of men behind the ball? Could that be kind of contributing to the low scores? It it could be a factor of what both what you said, Robbie, and I'm not just saying that because if you think about it, football compared to hurling, it's more nutrition or what's it nutritional in the sense that it takes more out of you i mean in hurling especially with the the strength and the strength and conditioning players have now they can hit the ball at least 80 90 100 meters or more at their ease i mean some of the scores you see at inter-county and club level now are just phenomenal like i mean inside their own half where in football it'd be I won't put too much similarities to rugby, but it's kind of more short game in a sense. Um, And it's the way football's after going. Um, I mean, you hear some of the pundits, likes of Pat Spillane and all of that, uh, 
traditionalists on about mm-hmm. the way the kick pass and you score go on years ago in the likes of the Dublin Kerry battles and all of that where now, as you're saying, it's gone a bit defensive and there's a lot of short pass and it's keeping possession. And um, it's a matter of what every team does, go out and try and prevent opposition from scoring. So the longer you keep possession going back over and back the field or back to go forward, it it can take away. So, yeah, that would be a factor. But then, like I was saying, the conditions as well, no matter what, even though we're after having a real dry patch, patch at the moment, it's just the temperatures and all of that. It's they could be something to be said for having the games during the during the summer, the club games. Um, yeah, I was really blessed with COVID last year. We had the the club championship runoff during the summer, and probably one of the most entertaining club championships we've had in a, in a long time. But um, I suppose like longer term they're not going to sacrifice the county game for the sake of the club um which is unfortunate for the club guys they don't get to play in the best weather but um i seen a tip in Tipperary. there was uh was a lot more were in the final again they're in a hurdle fi- hurling final last week and they're in the football final um this week this weekend and they won the football and they drew in the hurdle last week and then they're back out in the hurdle next week so it's a really big achievement for them to to win the football and to be in the hurling final. I know Kilmacud Crokes they they won both hurling and football in Dublin, but they're a massive club. Um, so some achievement from Lockmore, no? Oh yeah, definitely. And I mean the the player that got the goal, John McGrath, a Knights and hurler, a feature of the Tipperary senior team with a last minute goal. I think it was around the sixty third minute. And it kind of just shows what happened. Actually, I need to make a clarification on last week. I said the same club in Wexford won both the hurling and uh, football. Actually, to correct myself, it was the same champions for the previous year. Sorry, so I sang corrected on that. I had a feeling I made an error, but uh, I like to clarify that just in case anyone uh, knows stir I made. But... uh, yeah, no, I mean, when you have a club that's going so well like that and you have um, great athletes, the likes of John McGran, all of that, I mean, it just shows the boost it can give to a club. And I know um, from experience with players around Kilkenny and, say, other clubs and all of that, even if there are, say, dual players in, say, ladies football and camogie and all of that, once they're in, one competition they hold off the celebrations of winning one title to secure the other and it'd be the same with Lockmore Castellini we actually played them in a challenge with a team I was with this year and it just shows the um, for a small rural area just shows the the commitment and the the bond they have there and um even though Tipperary cook any rivalry, everything that's aside, you have to show respect and wish him the very best of luck. And um, I have great admiration for, as I was saying, John Rigger, uh, as a player. So from to do it on first club in football as well, and it deserves great plaudits. And I mean, to do it against Clonmel commercials as well. I mean, they were the shining light of the club football scene a couple of years ago as well. Um, so great credit to him there. And it was a really entertaining game. We're on about a low scoring contest in Dublin that finished one twelve to one eleven, which 15 scores to 14. So that's good for winter club football. So um, 
was a really exciting game, the highlights I saw. Yeah, um, and as a lot of the finals are finishing up, we're going to move into the interprovincial. So we, we'll keep an eye on them over over the coming weeks. They're always really good, always really uh, tough, tense affairs. Um, cool, so we're going to just skip on from the GA. We're going to go on to our picks of the week. So what are your picks of the week this week, Teach? Yes, a, a surprise, surprise. They're coming from Google again. Or sorry, from YouTube. <laughs> sorry, so yeah, technically Google. But uh, yeah, there's one, two lots I was watching. I'm not sure if I mentioned one before, but one's uh, an old uh, British kind of watchdog program it's called Rogue Traders um, and got really into it, uh, stumbled on it a few years ago, kind of drifted away from it and went into it again. But what they do is they expose kind of cowboy uh, trades people, in other words, mechanics, boiler people, uh, electricians and all of that. And it's just the way they kind of do a sting to, in other words, catch them out. And uh, the good thing about it, like if anyone watches Wheeler Dealers, where they show the mechanical end of uh, buying and repairing cars or something like this, this goes in and shows what to watch out for, in other words, with um, bad tradespeople or people that wouldn't be fully qualified so even though it is a British program, it could be taken in if you needed a tradesperson in Ireland. And make sure you look out for the proper certification as well. Um, but that's one I was watching on YouTube. The other one is um, Just Planes. It's a YouTube channel as well. It's about commercial airlines and it's actually from the pilot's point of view as well. So it's the way that they operate the planes, their lingus feature a good bit on it. And um, just if you have an interest in airplanes, that's definitely worth checking out. Um, only for I'm kind of technically blind in one eye at the moment. Hopefully that will be rectified. Got good news slightly with it. I, and I had a hundred thousand. I would have loved to become a pilot. But uh, yeah, that's an interest that I have on youtube as well so rogue traders and just planes and my usual cheesy music as well she's really chosen uh any any particular ones this week on the cheesy front uh i'm starting listening to a good bit of christmas music so i leave it at that (laughs) already it's only november man yeah no it's never too early never too early Uh, yeah we could have a a cheese with teach it could be a regular slot (laughs) <laughs> I know I, I kind of want to keep a bit of the uh, reputation I have as small as it is so uh, yeah I don't uh, maybe if the listeners wanted but yeah I think I chicken out of that one for the moment yeah cool cool no worries uh, so I'll just go through my picks there so a uh, big one in the first lockdown was Tiger King so there's Tiger King 2 out now which is just basically you're kind of going through the fallout of the original Tiger King. So if you're as, as fascinated with the original, you'll uh, you'll like this and you'll enjoy the little kind of uh, behind the scenes sort of stuff that goes on. I know I, yeah. I saw that and I never, never thought of it actually. I am the Tiger King. Don't forget you that. Sure are. <laughs> you are huge exotic. Um, so and the next one is uh, Narcos Mexico. So, there's like the original Colombian Narcos. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but I actually find that the Mexican version is uh, is a much better show. Uh, and season three, that's out now. It's on Netflix as well. So it's another good one. Um, and then just a couple of uh, kind of musical ones. Um, 
I'm not a huge Irish music fan. Um, in terms of, I don't listen to a lot of Irish bands. Um, I just, I don't really know why. I just don't. But um, a couple of ones I was kind of turned on to this week was uh, David Keenan, uh, and he actually has an hour long kind of concert on YouTube, so that'd be worth uh, checking out. Oh, cool. And like, not that, not that this is any news to anyone, but this is just a particular uh, Jeremy Kennedy song. So obviously, Jeremy Kennedy is brilliant. Uh, but this one particular song, After Rain, is probably been my most played this week. Um, and like on the Spotify version is brilliant, but also the, he does like um, a YouTube version as well. Uh, and it's it just, I think he adds an extra verse into it or whatever, but it's uh, it's brilliant. So that's After Rain uh, from Jeremy Kennedy. So check them out. They're really good. Yeah, uh, Actually, one as well, sorry, an artist um, we would have mentioning a few weeks, or sorry, a couple of months ago now as well, Stephanie Rainey is after releasing a new track as well, titled 13, and it's really, really good now. So another Irish artist from Cork, definitely worth following. And um, she just had a baby recently as well. So congratulations to Stephanie and her partner there. And uh, yeah, it's definitely worth checking out her new track as well. Yeah, cool. Um, perfect. So what we're going to do is going to go on to the rugby. So Ireland, Argentina, Ireland had a convincing uh, November series to beat Japan, beat New Zealand and to beat Argentina. What did you make of the game? Uh, Argentina didn't really seem like they wanted to know for long sections of the game. Um, so do you think it was a really good Irish win or was... Argentina, not really uh, up for it, do you think? Um, the way they started, I won't lie to you, I was kind of worried because um, you're kind of saying to yourself here, they got that start in the World Cup in, um, when was it, 2015, was it? They got a really good start in blitzed Ireland. But uh, the way Ireland responded after that was phenomenal. And it just shows the progress that's after being made under um, Andy Farrell. Um, There would have been question marks. Um, Slightly over some of the play against New Zealand. I mean, they weren't clinical at all times, but still it was a phenomenal display, if that makes sense. So... They rectified that against Argentina and put up a score like they did. What was it? 53-7. It was just, it was just brilliant and it rounded it off. Um, the scary thing about it is the performance that France put up against New Zealand. Um, they ran well ahead. New Zealand came back at them, but they found second wind again. So, it's going to be one phenomenal Six Nations. I mean, England defeated South Africa as well with a last-minute penalty, um, I think. And, um, yeah, it's going to be some mouthwater in Six Nations. So, But going back to the Irish point of view, you have to be happy. I mean, three really good wins. Um, and teams that bet Ireland in World Cups as well. Um the one that you'd be kind of saying to yourself, you wouldn't read that really that awful much into be yesterday's game against Argentina. Looking at the the results they had, I think they're only after winning eight internationals under their current coach. 
uh, lost 22. Now, is Sam corrected on that? But I think that's the stat I saw. So maybe they're not the power they were a few years ago. But then you have to look at the long road they're on as well because um, you look at the the nation's champion. I forget the proper name of it, but do you know? The rugby championship. Rugby championship. I mean, you could kind of see that was affecting uh, New Zealand a bit as well. And if you look at the clean sweep of Northern Hemisphere, Northern Hemisphere wins over the Southern counterparts, I mean, they may be a kind of a bit of a caveat there, but you have to be happy with the progress that Ireland are making. And 52 players in 10 games this year were featured as well in the Irish team. So it just shows where the Irish game's at at the moment as well. Yeah, it's really great um, seeing all the different players being used. And it was great. Uh, Joey Carberry got man in the match as well. So he had a long yeah. uh, struggle yeah. injury. Uh, we talked about it before. So it's great to see him back. And he's an excellent goal kicker. And, you know, probably not, you know, as good as Johnny, uh, Johnny Sexton, but he's brilliant and he's probably the man of the future for, for now anyway. Um, did you watch any of the New Zealand-France match? I watched the highlights of it and it was uh, it was like just total rugby, just, you know, offloads and great breaks and great tries and great finishes and stuff. And France, as you were kind of mentioning there, they looked pretty ominous, uh, especially at home. So did you, did you catch any of that one? I just saw the highlights as well. There was one passage of play. I won't even try and pronounce the players' names because, you know, my <laughs> pronunciation is terrible. But uh, there, it actually started in the French zone, I think, by five metres. It was well inside the 22 anyway. And just the way they worked it out for one of their tries. I mean, it was the player actually had some balls to do what he'd done against the world champions. Like, I mean, it was just phenomenal. And yeah, I really, really begin to fear France now. Um, there's a new bite there between Ireland and France because Ireland had the edge over them for, for a few years. And then that game over in Paris with Johnson Sexton's last minute drop goal, that really hurt him. Um, but yeah, that's, if France are really well, France are after went back to the basics. In other words, they looked at the, the kind of development level and slowly built it up, gradually integrated young players in. Yeah, they took beatings, but they are going to be some force. And with the World Cup there in 2023, I I don't think anyone could bet against them this early on that they they could come close to win the World Cup title. like And um, they are a caveat there as well, like I was saying about you wonder how good New Zealand really were um, because they they were completely dominated and they played against Ireland. Uh, but Ireland didn't really make it reflect that much on the scoreboard. Um, it was slightly the case with France. They built up a lead, like I was saying. New Zealand came back at them and France were able to pull away again. But it's hard to know exactly where New Zealand are at the moment. And if the results kind of continue slightly like that, they could be a change of coach in New Zealand because there's a lot of question marks about their current style of play as well. Yeah, uh, yeah so keep an eye on that. And hopefully, 
hopefully Ireland can take their form into the Six Nations and uh, hopefully Andy Farrell can get his uh, his first championship. That'd be great for for us all. Uh, cool. So we're going to move on to another one. Um, just basically about internet arguments. Uh, now, I would probably have to confess there's a little bit of a guilty pleasure of mine where you maybe click on a post um, and you see, like, you know, if you see a post, it's maybe a little bit controversial. And then you see that there's like a ton of comments on it as well, like just maybe even more comments than there is likes. Then you just know it's going to be good. Um, <laughs> so then, then you click into the comments and then you might have one person saying something controversial. And then it's like, you know, 74 replies to this one comment or whatever. And uh, I don't know about you, but I, I quite often uh, I would find myself um, going down through the argument and, you know, obviously hoping for whatever argument I wanted to win to win or whatever. Um, <laughs> but I'm always amazed just at how petty it gets. Oh, and yeah. how, you know, and like, I think there's a lot of people, they just kind of, they're, they're almost professional at it. They just kind of come in and they just, they put up like, you know, uh, a random post just to try and bait people into an argument or whatever. And they just get a bit of a kick out of it. So uh, how about you, Tej? Are you one for reading, you know, uh, arguments of complete strangers at, you know, 3am in the morning or, or would you guys try and stay away from it? Uh, I kind of stray away from it slightly. Um, I I kind of weird in a sense that way because I I feel uncomfortable watching something awkward, say on television. So say, say and it could be just completely made up, say in a show or something like that. I I I kind of posted that. I'd be after making that or making a shit of myself that way in a sense. So do, looking at it in real life on post, like sometimes I'd make a comment, like there were one comment I made last year, I think it was over the the closing down of the, you know, club games, supporters couldn't go. It was limited to a hundred people in a 20,000 capacity stadium and someone replied and I eventually just had to give in because I, I the way I look at it is I have my own view and yeah it's no point getting into a petty argument over something so um someone else's opinion in a sense um the real the real funny ones is and I know I'm gonna sound the nerd saying it, but do you know the Nefid briefings that you see him being streamed on Facebook? Yeah. It's sometimes yeah. I, I I watch them and sometimes I click into the comments and it's just the same fucking sorry, but it's just the same shit comments being made over and over again. You have people that'll be after failing or struggling a subject in the leaving cert and I mean not in bad against the person but yet they're after becoming an expert because they've done a google search like and you're, yeah. you're meant to take their point of view in a sense and I just kind of end up and I don't mean saying bad here but I just say to myself here what where are you coming from like um it's but I, I leave it at that because I think I'm after digging a slight hole and I don't want to cover myself in with it, but it's just I think I, you should just argue these people. I think you should just argue with these people online, TJ. That is the simple answer. When you see people, <laughs> when you see these people making these comments, you should just wade in. You should just wade into the debate. I think that's exactly what you should do. Ah uh, no. 
no 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 because you're just feeding you're just feeding their ego and that's that's the way i look at it because you have people that do it just for the sake of doing it now i'm all for banter and everything like that i mean i'd be the one person that could say something completely harmless in a slag and think I'd be after saying something ultimate personal. So I always kind of backtrack just in case someone takes the slag the wrong way, even though they're not an intentional. So getting into the likes of the debates like that is just, um, yeah, I leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, like, Sometimes I suppose if you're if you get into an argument with an idiot, then you're never going to win because exactly the, the idiot will always um will always just kind of keep debating you no matter how silly it is. There's a thing actually called uh, Godwin's law. I don't know. Have you ever heard of this? I did, but I won't say I know exactly what it is. It's just one of those phrases or comments you hear that you, you kind of recognize it, but you haven't a clue what it is. It's kind of yeah, like so last orders. Yeah, well, basically, it's like, uh, well, we definitely don't know what last orders are in Ireland. Um, <laughs> probably order on three or four drinks. Um, yeah, but like Godwin's Law is basically, you know, at a certain point, you know, the internet argument will just be, discussion will grow and grow and grow until someone ends up calling someone a Nazi. Uh, oh, yeah. And then that, that's the end of it. So, um, yeah, so even if you do get into these debates, like I'm, when I'm saying that, I wouldn't get into the debates myself. Um, it would take a lot for me to get off the fence and, and comment or whatever, but um, I just like I just like the fun of it and the kind of pettiness and just a bit of a laugh. Um, but yeah, that usually ends up happening. Someone gets called a Nazi, uh, and then that's the end of it. And then maybe a new thread starts somewhere else. Uh, yeah. yeah, cool, good stuff. So we're gonna crack on and we're gonna go to quite a topical uh, conversation this week, which was the Premier League and mainly Man United. I'm sure I have Corel Ricky tormented in our uh, in our podcast group with all the Man United memes and all the Ole memes and all that sort of stuff. Um, so Ole finally got the sack. Um, so I suppose the big question is, who is going to replace him? Now, I have seen, I don't know how accurate this is, that Steve Bruce is in the running as an interim manager, um, that Pochettino is the main man, and also that Zidane is learning English so he can turn down Man United in English. <laughs> but they're, they're the kind of three names. They're the three names, I suppose, in the mix. Um, so first of all, who do you think would be best for the job? And who do you think will get the job in the short or long term? I saw Roy Keane's name being bandied about as well um, on Saturday. And... Um... I mean, like Steve Bruce wouldn't be a bad interim appointment in a sense, but I mean, if I was, say, a United fan, it wouldn't really encourage me, if that makes sense. Um, If I was to look at someone, I'd probably go Roy Keane, because if looking, looking at Manchester United from the outside, there's an awful lot of big names there that actually need their feathers ruffled. And Roy Keane was the one that said the same players that um, pulled the rug from under Jose Mourinho will pull the rug from under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And I think he was exactly right with that. 
Um, the likes of Maguire, Shaw, I mean, for all good that um, Rashford does away from soccer and everything, which is phenomenal, his on-field <clears throat> performances wouldn't endear me if I was a Manchester United supporter either. Um, so there's a hell of a lot of support or a hell of a lot of players that need a really, really strong character going into that dressing room. Um, I heard the link with Potticino um, there today that he was going to leave PSG and Zidane possibly go into PSG because um, Potticino is... Yeah, and he, he isn't really happy in PSG by all accounts. But I don't think he would be the man to go in this minute. I think they would need some, in other words, a, a bulldozer going in and really shake things up and then come in and kind of, uh, I won't say pick up the pieces, but kind of continue on uh, the work, the kind of the foundations that would be done now. It could be completely discrediting Pochettino there, but that would be just my opinion at the moment and being honest, I probably wouldn't have a real great one at it. Um, but I think Solskjaer was definitely pushed under the bus. Uh, I actually really feel sorry. The guy who was driving the bus. <laughs> yeah, but uh, somewhere along the line, someone opened the door and unclasped the seatbelt and he ended up under it. Um, and yeah, no, I mean, it's, I really, on a personal level, with all he done for Manchester United for it, the way, the way I could see a situation. And I know I was saying for a long time that Manchester United should get rid of him. It's a bit like, do you know, you have a big plaster on your arm or your leg and there's a lot of hair there and you keep barely pulling it back. If you just pull it all one go, take the pain Manchester United should have done the same when results started to go south. Um, because no matter what, yeah, he's a club hero there. An awful lot of people are saying his character won't be questioned. You're only as good as your last game. And Yeah, well, I suppose like it's, you know, he'll always be a club legend, but will he get another job in football? That will be that's any it. Note? Probably that's... not. Like, would you like if you had, say, uh, Solskjaer there and he had, say, won one or two trophies, say, FA Cup or something, some cup title, and mm. then kind of maybe got the sack? I mean, Jose Mourinho didn't really have that awful great a time there, but still, he got a trophy and he was able to go into another job. Uh, Van Gaal, same kind of reputation going in. Solskjaer came out of nowhere, got what was it, wins in his first six games, Ole was at the wheel, but nothing was done after that. The funds were being made available, but yes, it, the performances weren't matching on the field. Now, I know they did finish second last year, but there's a lot to be read into that as well. How good were Liverpool for long stages last year? They, I know they finished strong and it was great to get to European place, but there were some absolute shocking <laughs> results along the line. But yeah, Klopp has the profile and uh, 
the success behind him to be, create the belief again. The danger was with Solskjaer, he had a good run, but he hadn't the backing behind him. He hadn't the success in other clubs. And for like any other manager leaving, say the likes of Manchester United, they would be linked with another club. Solskjaer, I can't see that happening. And yeah, that's yeah. that's a shame when he's only 48. Yeah, I suppose it's a tough old game for managers. You see, like Frank Lampard, he's only done two jobs and he's probably already on the scrap heap. Um, yeah. But I think a lot of it is that they're probably, once they get the big job, they're looking for another big job and they don't really want to take a step down into, you know, maybe championship or managing a kind of a, a relegation struggling team. But uh, it doesn't get any easier for Man United. They're playing Chelsea next weekend and Chelsea are looking good, top of the table. City also looking good, Liverpool looking good. So, and then West Ham, they are looking good as well, but they are maybe, I suppose, over the course of the season, you wouldn't expect them to last the pace. So, do you reckon it's um, this front three and will be this front three until the end of the season, Liverpool, Chelsea, and City? Yeah, I think so. Um, Looking at it at the moment, you would kind of fear. Chelsea are building real momentum. They're top of the table. You'd expect a real battle charge from Man City. Liverpool showed they're not gone away, but I think they're short one or two. I would have seen it a while ago, and I still firmly believe it. There's rumours going around that Sterling may may be approached to come back because the price firm is after going down. I think it's around 40 million or something I saw or something around that uh, last week so I it's like for Liverpool and I, I won't drag on about Liverpool but it's the age profile of the front three for Liverpool at the moment they need they need backups Um, that was the danger with Ronaldo going into Manchester United as well he can do magic and I mean he still will do magic but it's the work that needs to be done away from that. You need a workhorse there. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's where I think, as much as I hate saying it, I think it will be coming down, say, maybe Chelsea, Man City, Liverpool, and I think it could possibly finish in that order. In saying that, Liverpool could take points off of Chelsea. Even when Chelsea were really top of the pile, Liverpool could take points from them. Um, Liverpool's game against Man City earlier in the year, Man City completely dominated that, but Liverpool were able to get a, a draw, I think, out of it. So, um, yeah, at the moment, I think it would be Chelsea, unless there's a severe slip up, Man City and then Liverpool. And then it's a, a toss of a kind then because if Manchester United are able to get their house in order, they could po- possibly push for a fourth position. West Ham under David Moyes are going well, but will they be able to sustain the season? And Arsenal showed their still <clears> vulnerabilities <throat> there after the result against Liverpool the other day. So I hope for a late char- or a charge from Liverpool, but yeah, that would be my prediction at this moment. Just a quick word on Ronaldo, as you brought him up there. Um, in each of the last five seasons, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's manager has left their job or been fired. 
Uh, I know we kind of maybe touched on this a little bit before, but do you think there's a bit of a, you know, probably a bit too much pressure with Ronaldo there that, you know, maybe at a certain point, the managers just really feel the, <laughs> the fact that he is there and, you know, if they're not getting results, well, maybe Ronaldo doesn't get the blame, but maybe the manager gets the game or a manager's under a lot of pressure, if you know what I mean. So I'm not saying Ronaldo's like bad or anything like that, or but is there just a huge pressure when you're just trying to manage the personality and the the marketing machine that is uh, Cristiano Ronaldo? That's it exactly, Robbie. I mean, that's you're after summing it up there in your final the final sentence. I mean. Manchester United got the bargain in the season, I think, getting Ronaldo for 15 million. Now there were bonuses and whatever along with it. But for a player the caliber of Ronaldo, he wouldn't have gone for what was it, a hundred and maybe fifty million in his prime, say maybe what seven or eight years ago, or even a bit further back. And I mean the situation is when you have a player that's coming towards the end of his career, even though he's able to get the scores and all of that, he's not putting in the work further out the field. So if Ronaldo's having a bad game, that the focus will turn to the manager because of the character that Ronaldo was. I mean, you could do the context of that in, say, former GA stars um, that may have having success and it isn't in the legs anymore. They're not able to do it. In other words, pull the team out, rescue a result for a team. And instead of the focus going on the great player, go on the manager. And the manager is always the, the easy option. I mean, you never hear of a player being sacked, but yet you hear of a manager being sacked. You have yeah, players just... that are released. Yeah, their contract are released. But you never hear of a player going on a free, a, a top, top player going on a free contract. Like it just doesn't happen. It's the mediocre, average kind of <clears throat> hard working players that you will get on a free transfer. Like, yeah, I suppose that's a fair enough point. Um, just lastly on the soccer, just uh, Donny van der Beek. Uh, he scored the last goal of the, of the Ole era. Is there a bit of a, kind of sweet irony for Danny as he never really got his game under under uh, Ole for a long time and he came in and scored in the last game it was that kind of um, I'm sure I'm sure uh, Van der Beek enjoyed that goal and maybe he wasn't a huge fan of uh, Ole as well that he didn't get his game off him yeah no I think it would be um, judging by the character of Van der Beek I wouldn't say he'd be like that but I mean for Manchester United to pay out the money they did and in other words have him there just sit warm in the bench and bring them on a very odd time I mean what did they sign him for was it around 39 million or something like that or something 35 39 million pound I mean it's just um like you can't you can't pay that money for a player and just have him resting on the bench like and um, he never got an opportunity for a young player to show what he could do. And yeah, it's kind of a bitter irony. I mean, not to revert back to Liverpool, but I mean, if you were to compare Van Beek, say, to the likes of Jota, Jota got opportunities with Liverpool. He got injured, but he he broke back into the squad and he's featuring in games this year. Van Beek didn't have that opportunity for Manchester United. So 
it's kind of just shows one aspect. I mean, Lampard was sacked from Chelsea because of the money he spent and results weren't happening. Oli was sacked wasn't because of the money he spent. He was sacked because of the results. And to spend that money and have the a, a player like Van de Beek on the bench, yeah, I mean, it's it's a bitter irony, but um, it's kind of a waste of a talent as well. True. Uh, cool. So something else that's maybe a little bit bitter is um, uh, Christmas lockdown. So there's been a lot of talk, a lot of talk of over the airwaves and maybe WhatsApp groups and that sort of stuff that there's going to be, you know, Christmas lockdown or hospitality is going to be locked down or all sorts of stuff like that. So I suppose, TJ, what do you think? What, what, what do you feel in your waters? Do you feel um, there's going to be a lockdown or is it going to be a situation where we just keep going and maybe the situation gets a bit better? Uh, what do you think? Uh, it's depressing, Robbie. It really is. Um, I remember saying to friends and family la- this time last year that we'd be in a different position this year. Uh, I honestly believe we will be in a far better position this time next year. <laughs> Genuinely, I mean, with the treatments that are coming out, the likes of AstraZeneca, Pfizer and Merck are after coming out with tablets that I think that will make a difference. But going back to your question, it's just... Um, it's a bit like Ole at the wheel. If you're to compare to the soccer, you just wonder who is actually showing leadership in Ireland. Now, you can say other countries are in the same position. Yeah, that's fair enough. But those countries don't have the same vaccination rates as Ireland. And it's a bit like the Band-Aid expression that I said a few minutes ago. If we're going to be locked down, just announce it. Don't give hope. Don't give say, oh, we're going to give time. Or The one most depressing thing at the moment is every day there's a person from NEFA coming out saying here, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this. I mean, looking at the figures and everything, the crisis that's happening at the moment is lack of capacity in hospital. The cases are high. I agree with that. But we haven't built on capacity in hospital. There's far less in hospital than the war in January. Now, that's no comfort to the family or the people that are in hospital. I'm not taken away from that fact because I wouldn't want it to be any of my family or friends or even myself in that position. So I'm not dismissing it one bit. But we're paying for underinvestment in health for years and we're going to suffer again as a result. Um, and they seem to be an out option with the booster campaign, the over eighties. My father was lucky to get the booster and you can see the, there's a decline in that age group because of the booster. There's evidence from England there's evidence from Israel as well, but we just seem to be dilly and dallying again here. We take our time to make decisions and um, we could suffer as a result. So going back, I think we possibly could be locked down. Um, and if it is, they were a rumor going around a, an online newspaper yesterday. I won't read too much into it, but 
they are kind of a some sort of ironry 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 oh fuck it uh, irony irony <laughs> irony yeah in it that hospitality will be closed Christmas week and I mean that's that's cruel if it is because you have businesses that have been closed for almost a year and a half or more and they're going to be closed possibly closed again in their busiest period and you wonder and I would have asked him the same question last year why are we not opening up in the summer when cases are kind of steady and low and opening up when we opened up nightclubs when cases were on the increase so you just wonder what kind of um I have no science qualifications, but it just doesn't make any sense to me that you open up when there's a risk and you you don't open up when there's a lower risk. So to face yeah. another lockdown again just just bewilders me, being honest. Especially when if other decision decisions were made or say the likes of booster decisions were made quicker we might be able to avoid it, but the government just seemed, even though I'm involved as supporter of one of the government parties, they just bewilder me at times. Yeah, I suppose uh, at the end of the day, they're just going to make decisions that are like going to help their political futures because uh, they want to stay, they want to get elected at the next election. So sometimes they, they make decisions that maybe aren't backed by science or even common sense at times because they have certain lobby groups and certain special interests that they have to that they have to uh, appease or otherwise you know they're not going to get voted in the next time that, I suppose that's why it's very easy for them to close nightclubs early because typically the people who are in nightclubs don't vote that much um, so yeah I can see them kind of rolling back and stuff every week uh, little by little and like hopefully that has a bit of an effect and like hopefully we don't go into a lockdown. But um, I suppose at the minute it's kind of a week to week situation. So we'll have to, I'll have to really see, um, see how it goes. But I think another January lockdown would definitely be um, very bad for people's mental health, to be honest with you. Um, cool. And maybe possibly if you're in lockdown, you might decide to take up uh, a little bit of a hobby. Uh, so one of the kind of questions I was saying to you, TJ, for a potential topic was, are kind of hobbies dead? And is, it, is there a lot of pressure on people to always be working on maybe like a side hustle or something? Like someone can't really do something maybe for the joy of it anymore. There has to be maybe some sort of financial benefit. So, for example, you could work like your nine-to-five job or you could work like some sort of shift job. And then whatever your passion is, you're trying to turn that into your business. Um, so I suppose what I'm trying to maybe ask you is, is our hobbies a bit of a lost art form? Um, and are people doing things because they want to make money rather than because they just enjoy and they love doing these things? So um, what do you think yourself? Are, do you have any hobbies or are you doing a side hustle thing? Uh, I can honestly say I've never done side hustle. Uh, I uh, technically sorry technically I did for a very short period but it turned me against me it turned against me hobby 
and it was an area that I done completely free. I loved doing it and I got an opportunity and just didn't enjoy it. I really didn't enjoy it. It's just, it's kind of changed. Uh, what would you say? It kind of changed the dynamic and kind of pressure on it. And it, the hobby became a job and I just didn't like the, the job that was my hobby, if that makes sense. And I see it in, I mean, you look at it with, say, GA coaching at the moment, there's people making a second living out of it. And that all started with a hobby. And personally, I don't think managers or coaches should be out of pocket. Definitely not. But I don't think if players are going out uh, voluntarily, I don't think people should be able to make a, a really good living out of it either. Um, yeah. So that's where is something like that could be a hobby and it's turned into second employment. And um, yeah, I, I, I think it's, well, to be fair, Robbie, wages aren't, even though they are high in this country, they're not good for, say, towards, say, the cost of living in a sense. And that's really evident at the moment when you look at the cost of, say, petrol or diesel. Uh, you see the increases because of inflation. And if people are able to make a second income, best of luck and fair play. Uh, personally, I wouldn't like my hobby to become a job again. And that's, that's um, I can see the high and the low points of it. And that'd be my opinion. But um, we are slightly becoming a even though we are one of the best in the world for charity given to charities and all of that they are a slight greed culture coming in as well and i have witnessed it um where you would have individuals that would be in other words taking an income and to be people working along with them that wouldn't but yet uh they they still kind of take it and best of luck to them but uh yeah it's it's um i think things are after changing completely i mean they are other hobbies say the likes of say five-a-side soccer badminton handball all of that yeah they're still going um but they are other things that they are in other words able to exploit money out and being honest personally i wouldn't be firm maybe i'm weird that way but that'd be my personal opinion yeah i suppose we can either confirm or deny that people are getting paid in the ga just for legal reasons um <laughs> oh definitely oh definitely oh no 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 and clarification on that definitely but uh i think the the dogs on the street know what's happening <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very true um yeah, for me, I think I think it is a good thing in a way if like you're maybe stuck in a job maybe you're not happy with and you want to pursue your passion and they say oh, if, you, definitely. if you do what you're passionate about, you never work a day in your life. So yeah, I get what you're saying about maybe people just trying to make money for the sake of it. Um, but yeah, I suppose like you can in a way maybe use your hobby to make money and if you do, that's great. Um, but definitely maybe there's... Um, like a bit of the the love of just doing it for you know you're saying oh the GA you're just doing it because you love the GA not because you're getting paid or 
you're just painting because you want to paint not because you want to sell art or you know do anything like that so yeah. yeah it's probably like um a little bit of a lost thing coming into our culture where we're not just doing stuff just because we really enjoy doing it um yeah cool so we're going to move on to our last topic which as always is our highball the highball the highball okay so this one where we're going to go for uh kind of continuing on maybe our kind of Christmassy theme that we've had maybe last week or two um Christmas parties uh and I'm sure we've all had quite a cringy Christmas party moments um but are is some of the fun kind of gone out of Christmas parties now with the fact that some employers will kind of see them as an extension of work and you know if you mess up uh you know get a bit drunk get a bit rowdy at a Christmas party you could uh, end up getting your um your p45 at the end of it so do you do you have any stories um or would you be quick to attend a, a christmas party yeah uh, no i, I yeah no i love <clears throat> i love going to christmas parties yeah there's some stories but thank god they were uh never really that awful embarrassing thank god um but i have seen and yeah it's it's kind of strange because you wonder how the well personally I couldn't do it how you could go into work again after what would happen <laughs> I mean it's yeah. um I think they will slightly go towards kind of informal um if that makes sense where you could have uh staff members going on a party without bosses um because they, it's implications. I mean, there was a high-profile one a few years ago where footage emerged from it and they were people fired and lost their livelihoods as a result. So, I mean, that would be the dangerous thing. Um, it's, it's kind of a time that you'd have to let your hair down, but you'd have to have one eye on the ball as well. There was... One specifically, I was um, working in an area that you had to be really professional in. And it was said to me at the interview for, um, do, you, do you drink? Do you like going out drinking? And I said, yes, socially, not that often, but socially. But because that question was asked, I was at the Christmas party and you're watching yourself. Um, and then you're asked, why wasn't I drinking? So I was kind of saying, what's going on here? Like, but I was young, I was student age, like, so maybe it was a, a factor like that. But um, it's the way things are gone now, especially the way companies can kind of check out social media accounts. That if there were photos put up of you hanging over a chair, puking your ring up, and you applied for kind of a really professional job. I don't think if the HR department came across that, that you would be too high up the list for that position. So that would be the risk associated with it. But in my experience, the, the bosses that I would have working under would have been fairly sound and would have taken part in the party and probably possibly could be the ones really enjoying themselves the most. Yeah, I think that's a critical factor that your boss has to really go all in on the festivities as well. So just so there's equal um, sort of um, <laughs> equal amount of dirt on you, if you know what I mean. Exactly, um, exactly. 
Yeah, but you know, I saw some people do make a right tip themselves. I've seen it happen um, at Christmas parties and stuff. Um, but I suppose like everyone will forget probably until the next Christmas party the next year, and you probably do the same thing. Um, yeah, but maybe in the current environment, they're not going to be going ahead. I'm sure some, I'm sure companies are are quite happy for them maybe not to go ahead. Maybe using COVID as an excuse because it probably just brings a whole lot of cost and dra- cost and drama to their workspace that they don't really need. So I'd say you know a lot of companies will probably use um, the COVID situation to just cancel them because um, they're maybe a bit more hassle than they're worth. Um, but in the place where I I work we normally have the Christmas party in January um because I work in a gym in a hotel and basically it's too busy to go at Christmas time um but you know what we probably could be in lockdown by January so I might get to go to it again uh, for two years in a row but um fingers crossed hopefully it goes ahead um cool TJ so uh good chats good chats as always um so pleasure for all you guys listening on and hopefully if you made it this far fair play to you um thanks for listening you can follow us on instagram facebook and send all messages to uh tj's phone number which is oh five i don't um so yeah just message, message us on instagram or facebook um we always love the comments on the posts and uh, messages we kind of we respond to everyone so if you have any topic ideas just let us know okay good chat tj have a good one man yeah, pleasure. Thanks a million, Robbie, and thanks a million to all, and we chat to you all next week. Cool. Have a good one. Same to you. Good luck. 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 Snow is fall.